As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the show, you and I discuss the trap that everybody seems to be falling into with a recent New York Times article comparing Trump to Nixon and how to avoid it. Not just for today, but for life. Welcome to the future where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is enough and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. A.D. on the radio. So today, I wanted to kind of help you not fall into a trap. I don't know if maybe you've already fallen into the trap. I don't know if that's yet to come for you. But I think at some stage in the game or another, most of us do. Most of us fall into this trap. I know I did. I did probably hmm, right around the time I was turning 30. And that was when I started to pay real attention to politics. And not just because they were a spectator sport to me. They'd always been the spectator sport to me in the past. But because I actually, I actually really kind of felt like they affected my daily life. Have you fallen into that trap yet? I mean, let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about you when you were a kid. Let's talk about you when you were a headstrong teenager. Let's talk about you when you were kind of looking beyond high school for the first time, when you were starting to make your way in the world, starting to think about how the next 15, 20 years of your life were going to shake out, what you wanted to do, what your place in the world was going to be. You might have had a very firm idea of who you wanted to be and where you were going in life. For me, it was simple. All I knew was I wanted to play music. That was it. That was all that mattered to me. I wanted to get out of high school early if I could, which I wound up doing. And I wanted to go on the road and play rock music, which I wound up doing. And after that was over, I was going to go to college. I was going to go to New England Conservatory of Music and I was going to go to Tufts University. I was accepted to the double degree program there and I wanted to learn how to get really good at jazz and classical percussion and then I figured I would probably take a journalism class or two at Tufts maybe be a journalism major but my immediate plan my immediate plan was I had hopes I had dreams I had visions and I was going to make them happen I was going to make these dreams come true I was going to bring this world to my knees and make it my biatch that's what I was going to do And in a funny sort of way, I kind of did. Didn't sort of make it all the way there, the way I would have liked to. But had a fun and interesting ride. Bailed on school a little bit early. Still graduated, but did not spend a lot of time in class junior and senior year because I was busy out and about making music. I was in this band. We got a record deal after our second show. The pieces just sort of fell into place. And... I was kicking ass, I was taking names, I was a young man living life and living it for all it was worth. Determined to squeeze every drop of everything that I could out of my existence. And doing a reasonably good approximation of that at some times. And you know, as I was stage diving off of lighting rigs at music festivals into crowds of sweaty inebriated people, I didn't really give too much thought to who was in office, locally or nationally, or internationally, for that matter. Did you, did you think about these things? Did you think about who your closest elected official was when you were a 
young person about to make your way in this world, about to, like I said, bring the world to its knees, bend it into a shape of your liking with a force of your will alone, I'm going to guess you did not. You might have thought about what you wanted to do, what your career would be, what you would study in college, or maybe, maybe your dream was to go to college and not do a whole lot of anything. Maybe you were going to party your ever-loving brains out and let the rest figure it out and let the rest figure itself out somewhere along the way. And if you were one of those folks, plenty of my friends were, didn't who was in office really come into effect when you were making those plans? I'm going to guess no, no, they didn't. Or you might have decided to take the road less traveled. I'm going to travel for a year. Interestingly enough, on that road, that doesn't travel so much, but I'm going to just, you know, take that year off, take that semester off, collect, collect my non-thoughts. And if you're doing that, no. And look, you might look back on your teenage years. You might look back on your early 20s and go, what a naive idiot I was. I would disagree with you. I would say that that way of thinking, when you're going to do what the hell you wanted to do, because that's what the hell you wanted to do, that was a moment where you were at your most empowered. That was a moment where you had the right attitude. You might not have had the experience, the knowledge, the smarts, the wherewithal to back it up. But that way that you looked at the world, that way of thinking back then, it's a powerful thing. So when did you start to lose it? And what happened when you started to lose it? Because honestly, I think people losing that sense of optimism, that sense of making the world their own, I think the people losing that is why I got all these emails I got this morning about that New York Times article. Real Radio. 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 104.1. Where the left and right come together for fundamental truths. AD on the radio, on Twitter at ADSXE. So, you know, as you and I discussed, I wanted to help you not fall into a trap. One that I definitely fell into, probably right around the time I was turning 30. And maybe you've already fallen into it. Maybe, maybe we can avoid that for you. And it's not the end of the world if you do. I think it's sort of part of growing up, part of a growing process. But some people fall in and they never get out. And you know these people and you don't want to be one of these people. And some people, well, they're too smart. They're too smart. They're too self-possessed. They're too self-aware to fall into this trap. They're too in touch with the idea that their existence as an American is based on the idea of individual liberty, your liberty, your ability to do what the hell you want to do with your life when the hell you want to do it. But the trap was this. Starting to look around at how the world hadn't necessarily fallen in line the way I'd hoped. And a lot of us hope. Or a lot of us think it will when we're first making our way in this world. Like I said, there's that moment there's that moment in your teens. There's that moment in your early 20s when you are about to launch yourself into society, the world, the universe, everything. And you think about who you're going to be, what you're going to do, what kind of life you're going to live, how you're going to bring that life to its knees and make the world your oyster. You think about your career. You think about the type of person you want to end up with. You think about the things that you want to see and do in this world. For me, that meant being in a band. That meant seeing the world with this band playing music all around it. And I got to do that. It was incredible. And I was made these promises. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was made these promises by the head of A&M Records. We were listening to the album that we'd made. And somebody said to him, one of his henchmen said, this is good. This will probably sell like three, four million copies. And he turned around and he looked at him and said, ten. It's going to sell 10 million copies. I was like, well, there you have it. Head of my record label says, we're going to sell 10 million copies. I'm a made man. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to take it to the people. I'm going to go out there and rock and watch the world fall into place. 
watch all my wildest dreams come true. And for about a year and a half, two, three years, they, they, they did. Really, I, I had no complaints. I was living an incredible life for a teenage kid or a guy in his early 20s, seeing the world, playing music, kicking ass, and taking names. But then, we hit a hiccup somewhere along the way. The president of that record label became the president of nothing when that record label went away. One label bought another label. I think a booze company bought our distribution company. I think it was Seagram's bought Polygram or something like that. And all of a sudden it was like, hey, bring the bus back. There is no record label. And I went, oh. But nevertheless, undeterred, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my way in the world of radio. I had a friend who'd been in radio. And I was like, what do I do? I'm in New York City now. I'm thinking I'm moving to Texas because one of my best friends in the world lives there. It's a really media-driven town. I'm trained for nothing. I mean, my resume says guy in a band, and I don't even have a band anymore. But I know I know a thing or two about music and media and live events and things of that nature, and Houston seems to have plenty of that going around. You used to be the morning guy at the station 94.5 The Buzz in Houston, Texas. What do I do? And my buddy, guy by the name of Will Pendarvis, who isn't really on the radio anymore. He's sort of a behind-the-scenes, runs-everything sort of guy. But if you ever get a chance to listen to some of his older shows, if you can find him on the internet, the guy is a freaking genius. One of radio's great losses that he's no longer putting his voice on it. But he was like, oh, yeah, be on the radio. I was like, just like that, huh? He was like, well, I mean, look, you've done all these radio tours. You've done all these radio appearances. You've worked with radio stations. And you know, you're a pretty good talker. Um, here, I'm going to help you make a demo. That makes you sound like you're as good as me. And then when you move to Houston, give it to my old station, and I'm going to give it to Sirius XM as well. And again, the planet sort of aligned. I made this demo, made me sound a lot better than I actually was, and, well, the charmed portion of my existence continued. I mean, I wasn't doing great things. I had a couple of lousy overnight shifts on a couple different radio stations once a week, but I managed to sort of weasel my way up from there. And throughout this time, throughout this time, I did not fall into that trap we were talking about. Didn't give a hoot about politics. Now, I've always been interested, interested in politics as a spectator sport. And I think that goes back to my uncle. My uncle who was in broadcasting, my uncle who was uh, kind of a political nerd and a junkie too. I don't really know. I don't really know where his political allegiances lie. I just know he viewed politics as sort of a spectator sport. Corrected some obscure election memorabilia. And always was sort of up in the game, understood what was going on, and really enjoyed the media coverage of it. Was sort of fascinated with that. He'd come from radio. He used to be a DJ in my parents' old hometown on 96 WCMF in Rochester, New York. And hearing him, old tapes of him on the radio sort of made me feel like, oh, maybe I could do that one day. It was a magical thing. I fell in love with radio long before I ever even knew there was a chance I could do it. Fell in love with it. And so I also inherited his interest in politics, but never once did I actually kind of feel like politics in any way, shape, or form affected my life. I was doing my thing. I was headstrong, and I was making things happen. But that's when, and I don't know if, I don't know if you had a similar stumbling block, but that's when, for the first time ever, I fell into that trap we were talking about. And judging by the emails I've gotten about this New York Times article today, plenty of people have been falling into that one recently. And I'm here to help you out. For more stimulation and less irritation, 9 out of 10 doctors choose KPRC AM 950. Houston's more stimulating talk radio. Don't get the blues, get all the news. We mean all of you. Guys out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back. AD on the radio. Give it up, yeah. Give it up, yeah. Bring this on, bring this on. Come on. So there you are, there you were, there you went. Youthful exuberance to spare. Kicking ass, taking names. You graduate high school, you head off to college, you get yourself a degree, you get yourself 
to be wicked smart so you can get yourself a baller job, earn tons of cash, buy that big house and fill it with people and things that you love via the magic of credit, marriage and reproduction. All of a sudden you got that stuff. Or maybe you've taken a more esoteric route. Maybe you decided to travel. Maybe you decided to load what little you did have when you were leaving the nest into a backpack, pick a random spot on the globe, and go there. Maybe you decided to sail the seas of consequence. But for a while there, you were styling, weren't you? For a while there, everything was sort of working out. And then what happened? You hit a stumbling block. I know I did. Like I said, I led a bit of a charmed life for the first part of it. I mean, not every aspect of it was easy, but the professional side of things, I was able to, as as a teenager, tour the world as a lead singer of a rock band. It's not a bad gig. Had a ton of fun. Learned a bunch of stuff. And then I wound up in radio. And, you know, I wasn't doing great things, but I figured I would make my way. I'd work hard. I'd apply myself. And the world had cooperated thus far, thanks to the force of my will and my elbow grease alone. So I was, I was confident. I knew I wasn't going to run out of force of will, and I knew I wasn't going to run out of elbow grease. I knew I was always willing to outwork the person next to me, and that's always been the key to getting ahead in this world, right? That's what I thought. That's maybe what you thought. But you hit these bumps in the road. You hit a snag. Maybe you've been told that you could afford a lot more house than you could afford, a lot more car than you could afford, and then the subprime mortgage crisis hit, and then bazinga. All that stuff that you'd worked for is gone and you're, well, you're not even back at square one. You're several notches down from square one. Square one's looking pretty freaking good to you right now and you can't imagine ever getting there again. And if you're like me, when this sort of thing happens, when you're, in my case, it was, I kind of felt passed over for promotion. I felt overlooked for opportunity. I felt like, oh man, this goes against everything that I believe in my heart should be the case. But I honestly feel like perhaps I'm not getting the opportunities I deserve because, well, I'm a white guy and white males don't lead to a very diverse workplace. And uh, I, I feel like it, I've been overlooked for promotion so many times that, that, that uh, what chance do I have? What chance do I have of living here in this America? I've got to go somewhere else. I, I think the only way I'm ever going to succeed is leave the country. I'm ashamed to say those words came out of my mouth at one point. That was my stumbling block. I felt like politically the deck was stacked against me. I felt like I wouldn't be able to do the things I wanted to do. I felt like my hard work would never pay off. And this is where I started to fall into the trap. This is the trap that, well, I think we all fall into at one point or another. There's a lot of people that never get out of it. But if I can help you get out of it quicker, or if I can stop you from falling into it altogether, well, huh, then mission accomplished here today. But that trap that I fell into was thinking that politics somehow affected my life, my chances for promotion, my chances to get paid more money, my chances to be able to do a better job at being able to pay my bills at the end of the month. Man... I'd been given a false sense of security by the way things laid out for me when I was young. Hard work just paid off. Talent just paid off. Being good at something was rewarded. And you know what? At some point, that stopped happening like clockwork. (gasps) Imagine that. So what did I do? I started to, and this is the trap, I started to look around at external things that perhaps I could blame for the fact that my life wasn't working out the way I'd hoped it would. And, well, oftentimes, when people start to do this, maybe you've had some experience with this yourself. One of the closest and most easily available scapegoats, well, that would be politics. I'm an American. I paid taxes, therefore I deserve this. I deserve a shot. I deserve an opportunity. I deserve my piece of the America that I see other people getting. Or the America that I had built up in my mind when I was a kid. It's weird how we do that. 
it's weird how we go from being this person who is naive about the world but doesn't care about it and manages to make their way through it no problem to this person who becomes incredibly educated about the world and the political processes around them and the way society works and the way government works and the way all then then Yet, weirdly enough, a lot of the time, when you take it upon yourself to become active, when you take it upon yourself to become educated with regard to all these political and societal processes around you, you're not moving through life that much easier. In fact, it was easier when you knew nothing back when you were a kid. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a part of our democracy in a participatory way. I'm not saying you shouldn't educate yourself. But I'm saying that You should live your life unencumbered by who's in what office. Case in point, look at us now. Look at us when Obama was voted in for a second term. A lot of people, a lot of people were horrified when Obama became president a second time. No, this can't possibly be happening. The end is nigh. He made all these promises for his first term. Even Even the people that were all stoked about Obama. He made all all these promises for his first term and, well, things haven't really changed and uh, he's a big old letdown. It's a big old letdown. He promised hope and change and, well, all I've got is change in my pocket. The economy is not in a good place. I'm not in a good place. This guy didn't do right by us. And people thought it was the end of the world when he got a second term. People thought it was the coming of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in some cases when Donald Trump was elected. Even folks that were all into it were were like, this is strange. (laughs) This is strange. Things are weird right now. I voted for the guy, but this this is odd. This is unusual. But I want you to think. I want you to really, really think. I want you to really think about your life. Now versus before the election. So many people were chicken little saying that the sky was going to fall, that they were going to move to Canada because, well, it was coming down and it was coming down hard. Did those people move to Canada? Not so much. Has their life really shaken out to be all that too terribly different? Not, not really, not yet. Not, no. Mm -mm. And what about the people who said, oh man, monumental change is coming. The world's going to be an infinitely different place this time next year. You you pay attention. You watch this. That wall's getting... Bit, no, not so much. We're all kind of just existing. And if you're waiting for a politician to make your day shake out differently than it is now, you're going to be waiting an awfully long time, my friend. You're going to be waiting... Till the end of time. You are on your way to a town called Disappointmentville, population you, if you're looking for a politician to make any real kind of change in your life. And I'm not saying, like I said before, that you shouldn't be involved in our political process. The more participatory participatory our democracy is, the better off we all will be, I think. But reconnect. Dig yourself out of that trap of imagining that your day is anyone's responsibility but your own. But AD, what about things like the subprime mortgage crisis? Hey, these things are going to happen. But you can't pin that on any one person. You can't pin that on any one politician. You can't pin that on any one administration. That came from years and years of people buying things that they probably had no business buying because they felt like they deserved them. And that came from many people being unscrupulous over time. And if you were smart, and if you were reasonable, you didn't get in over your head. And you wound up coming out of that just fine, maybe even ahead of the game. I did. I didn't really start buying homes. 
I mean, I was pretty young, so I, I guess that sort of makes sense. But I didn't start buying homes until after the market crash. I was like, homes are cheap. This is easy. Everything's foreclosed and costs pennies on the dollar. I don't know why everybody else isn't doing this. And I just didn't really sort of register that everybody had lost everything recently and couldn't do it. But it taught me an important lesson. about living at the effect versus making your own causes and making your way in the world. And I think the reason I bring this up, I think the reason that we're talking about this is because, well, man, so many people, so many people wrote me this morning and went, oh man, you know how you know how Donald Trump is the next Nixon and he's going to get impeached or, oh my gosh, what's going on? Will Donald Trump be the next Nixon? Will he get impeached? I get letters like this, concerned letters from both sides of the political fence with different types of concerns. And it's kind of gratifying that, well, people are coming to me on this. Not that I necessarily have any of the answers, let alone all the answers. But it is nifty that we manage to gather people with different viewpoints and concerns in one place to talk about the same issues. I consider that to be a, a triumph. I'm just going to take a moment to pat myself on the back for that one. And look, some kind of interesting things happened, and there were a lot of Nixon comparisons flying around. Maggie Haberman and Mike Schmidt reported on Saturday that White House counsel Don McGahn has done three voluntary interviews with a special counsel's office, totaling more than 30 hours and covering topics from Trump's decision to fire FBI Director James Comey to Trump's attempts to fire Mueller himself. And some of the incidents wouldn't have been known to investigators without McGahn talking about them in the way that he did. And so people went, I see the headline, Nixon, Watergate, New York Times. And I got to tell you, I read through the article and I kind of sort of wound up feeling like that's, that's 20 or 30 minutes I'm never getting back. Only because the headline would lead America to believe that there's a smoking gun and massive change is coming. Things are going to be different. There will be an impeachment. Man, you just watch out. They're going to kill free speech. They're going to kill freedom. Or, oh my gosh, we're free from the stranglehold of the orange one. Hooray. Changes in the wind. And you know what? I'm not going to bore you with the whys and wherefores of all the interesting things that are pointed out by the folks over at the New York Times with regard to exactly what's been going on with McGahn. It's a lot of speculation and a whole lot of nothing. Best I can tell. I mean, I'm certainly not the smartest person in the room with all this stuff. But I read it, and then I read it again, and I went, hmm. I don't necessarily know that there's anything that damning or even that interesting to me here. Yet, the number of people that seem to have just read the headline and gotten themselves all lathered up started early celebrations or perhaps started panicking about the end result of what was going on with McGann. I'd be very surprised. And I've been wrong about lots of things before in the past. So maybe hold on to this bit of audio and use it against me moving forward if you see fit. But I would be very surprised if this massive alleged smoking gun that was McGann doing these voluntary interviews with a special counsel's office amounted to anything, anything whatsoever. The idea was that Don McGahn was a rat and he's ready to flip on Trump. The reality is Trump went, I, I, I don't really feel like I have anything to hide. Yeah, you can talk to my guy. Go, go talk to him. Make this go away, would you? Be, be, be lawyery and make me not have to deal with this. I think that's all that's really going to come of this. There will be no smoking gun, but the panic that it sent people into really made me feel like people have been falling into that trap. And we've got to help them out of it.
Now, more AD on the radio. So I guess what I'm trying to do is help you, like I said, get out of that trap. If you're in it, crawl out as fast as you possibly can. And if you haven't fallen into it yet, remember, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to look around for a scapegoat. You're going to look around for a circumstance to blame. You're going to look around for an unfair hand that the world has dealt you. And you know what? Life is unfair. It's going to be grossly unfair in your favor sometimes, and it's going to treat you ultra shabbily at other times. You will be dealt some lousy hands. You will have some incredibly unfortunate things happen to you. You will probably be passed over for promotion. You will probably have your heart broken by the people that matter to you the most. You will probably be betrayed by somebody who you trusted with your life. And that's just it life but when these things start to go wrong when we hit stumbling blocks when we're running out of things to blame when we're banging our head against the wall with good reason you've been trying really hard you've been working really hard you feel overwhelmed you feel trapped you feel stuck you feel all these things that is completely normal normal to feel the trap is looking around for something external many people do this Many people come with a story with a narrative of how life is not shaken out for them because of X, Y, and Z. And often, all too often, more and more often these days, it seems like, well, the nearest, most convenient scapegoat that won't bother arguing with you so you get to prop up the illusion that much more in your mind would be politics and politicians. Because if you say to a politician, my life hasn't worked out the way it's supposed to because of your policies, they're not going to answer you. (laughs) They don't have to. It's a very weird thing. We talk about it all the time on this show, but I can't think of any other profession where the person who cuts the check, i.e. you and me, have to ask for an audience with them. (laughs) And many times, they don't really give us satisfactory answers about why they're failing to live up to our expectations. And that in in and of itself seems unfair. And it is. It's wrong. It is. Politicians should be forced to answer to us. We should be able to ring a freaking bell and have our own personal local representative go, I'm sorry. Things not working out the way. You gave us all that money in April. So we we want you to be satisfied with the job that we're doing. Uh, How can we turn this around for you? Government should come with a customer service department. And we should be getting gift cards for all the times they screw up. But we're not, and it doesn't. So that's where we talk about not falling into the trap. Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about who you are. Worry about where you want to go with life. Don't worry about the Nixon analogies with Don McGahn and the idea that he's going to flip on Trump and this house of cards is going to come crumbling down. Like I said, I've been wrong about a lot of things in the past, but I guarantee you there is nothing there. This New York Times article that seems to have spurred all these emails to me. AD, what's going on? What's going on? Is our guy about to be punted out of the White House? AD, AD, what's going on? Is that guy about to be punted out of the White House? And by the way, very gratifying that I get these emails from both sides of the political fence. Happy to bring folks together. (laughs) But doesn't matter. None of it matters. What matters is you. Get back to that naive version of yourself that had a plan and a goal and a vision. That attitude, that attitude that you're going to go out into the world and make it yours. Find that version of yourself again. And you know what? You're smarter, you're better, you've learned more, you've got more mileage, you've got more knowledge. You are better equipped now than ever before. To do what the hell you want with your life. But you gotta let go. You gotta let go. Of this notion. That politics of any sort. Dictate. 
how your day goes when you wake up in the morning. You know, we spent a long time talking about this, but you know who sums it up really well? Rob Hayes. Have a listen. Everywhere I go, people want to talk about politics. People in waiting rooms, people in bars, people in Ubers. Like, these people are extras in the movie that is my life. But they feel like they have speaking parts. I don't need to hear what you got to say. You're not in the credits. I feel like part of the problem is we're too focused on the big issues. Maybe we should start with a small issue we can solve and work our way up to the big issues. Like, here's a small issue. Are we chipping or are we swiping? I feel like we've done a great job of distributing the chip card. I feel like everybody has a computer chip on their card. It's supposed to keep you safe. You know, bad guys, they don't know about computer chips yet. But then you get to the register and they're like, I'm sorry, sir, we're swiping today. Then the next time you try to swipe, they'd be like, whoa, 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 put the chip in. You don't blow this whole place up, you don't put that chip in. So there you have it. Focus on the things that are within your control. Maybe this investigation turns up something that is akin to a smoking gun. Maybe there will be real change. Maybe we will have a Nixon Watergate type of situation. Maybe that tape Omarosa was talking about does exist and is going to cause the president to be primaried. Maybe, who knows, possibly. The only thing that I can tell you is if these things do happen, they're going to take time. And you know what's going to happen in your life while all these things are going on? Not a lot. Unless you make it. stimulation to the professionals everyone is so smart kbrc more stimulating talk radio there's something happening here and you should know what it is (laughs) the dumbing up of america now more ad on the radio you know as it was pointed out to me speaking of radio Today was National Radio Day. Yeah, happy National Radio Day. This was pointed out to me by several listeners who were kind enough to wish me a happy radio day. Happy National Radio Day. And uh, all of my coworkers uh, have been doing their very best to bask in it. But here, have a listen to this. Uh, one, of the guys, uh, one of the guys that made me want to do radio. There are a lot of old-timey guys that got me into radio. And I think this, you know how I was talking about my uncle? He worked as a DJ on that radio station in Rochester where my parents are from, 96 WCMF. It's funny because I think that's a classic rock station now. And my uncle went back to Rochester years later and he was like, it's interesting. When I was on it in the 70s, it was a rock station. Now they're playing all the same songs and it's classic rock. Their playlist has changed not one little bit in the 40 years since I left radio. It's just classic rock now. But it, he also had a whole bunch of these records by, well, all sorts of old-timey radio types. There was like the Lone Ranger, and there was War of the Worlds, and there were all these radio plays, and then, oh, the BBC radio version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Not a lot of people realize that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is an amazing book, which was made into a couple of okay movies and a charmingly bad Amer- uh, English television series. That actually started off as a radio series. A lot of people thought it was a book first. No, Douglas Adams, the guy that wrote it, well, made it a radio thing before it was anything else. I don't know if he'd intended it to have been a book, but the way it first got off the ground was as a radio show. If you ever get a chance to listen to the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, oh, please do yourself a favor and check it out. 
And there are all these incredible sort of older radio programs that I loved as a kid that made me want to do this thing where I talk to you and keep you company when hopefully you need it every single day. It's the greatest thing. There's something truly magical about radio, and I'm privileged that we get to share this every single day. But one of the folks that made me want to do radio and be in radio was this guy called Stan Freeberg. And if you've never heard his work, please, it's all over the internet. Do yourself a favor and check it out. But in honor of it being National Radio Day, check out the show opener using the classic Stan Freeberg jingle, Who Listens to Radio? Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few moments, we start our daily broadcast. Who listens to radio? That go where you go medium called radio. That's with you every night through the long commuter fight. And in the morning with your toast and mama lady John, what is FM? Good. Who listens to radio? No matter if it's summer, winter, spring or fall. Who listens to radio? Only 150 million. I want to be a DJ. You do? Woo! 150 million people. That's all. That's the radio. I think I heard of that. It's called the radio. Happy National Radio Day. And you know what? I'm just as honored to be a part of it as anything else. I'm not saying Happy National Radio Day in a self-aggrandizing way. I'm just like, what an incredible thing. What an amazing thing. What a beautiful thing that it's this it's this medium that has grown and evolved, but ultimately hasn't changed. It's, it's interesting. Like all the other forms of entertainment that we've listened to and watched over the years, radically different. You no longer have a record, tape, or compact disc collection. You no longer have a collection of DVDs. It's on a cloud somewhere. You stream it. You don't have to have specially purpose-built furniture to hold your DVD collection or your CD collection. It's just very different. And radio, of course, is streaming. It's on demand. It's all these things that you can get on the iHeartRadio app and all over the place. And that that's cool. But ultimately, for some weird reason, the magic of radio old-timey radio that your parents and their parents and their parents before them listened to. Delivered in much the same way. Holds true. Holds strong. More people listening to it than ever before. There are more listeners to radio now than there ever have been in the history of America. And I have to think, I have to imagine, that comes from two important things. I have to imagine it's because, well, look, One of the things that made me love radio so much, besides my uncle being in radio, besides the fact that I grew up with folks like Stan Freeberg and Paul Harvey and all that kind of thing that I was exposed to, and then great rock music that I'd never heard before and stuff of that nature, part of the reason that I've always loved radio is because when I needed it to, it kept me company. I don't know what you're doing right now. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're doing homework. Oh, man. If I got the homework crowd, I'd be so stoked when I was a kid growing up listening to the radio. I looked forward to doing my homework because of the radio listening I got to do. And I still, you know, turned it off and listened to my music collection as well. But that was a big part of it. Radio kept me company when I needed it to keep me company. If I'm getting to do that for you, with you, when you need that, that makes me about as happy as anything. I think that's part of the magic of radio. I think there's two reasons why radio has sustained in its incredibly old-timey form. Like I said, there's been all these movements forward, technologically speaking, and all these these different evolutions for radio. But ultimately, we get to keep you company when you need to be kept company. And I think the other thing that's really important about radio is you you can have me on while you're doing other things. You can have me on while you're cleaning the house, while you're cooking dinner, while you're doing that homework. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why it stayed the same. Another thing that's magical about radio is uh, you might be listening to this on an FM station. You might be listening on an AM station. But amplitude modulation and frequency modulation, AM and FM, they do really kind of cool, interesting things to audio that nothing else does. Which is why you might listen back to a podcast. You might listen back to some streaming audio. You might listen back to the podcast version of this show. And that's cool. And that's awesome if you do. And I really appreciate that. 
But there's something magical about the way the human voice comes out of the speakers when it's on the radio. When it's been frequency or amplitude mo- amplitude modulated. Same goes for music. You'll notice that your music sounds different on the radio than your music collection. If you still rock the old school CDs, listen to a song on the radio, put that CD in, it's going to be a completely different experience. Or, you know, maybe stream the song after you're done listening on the radio. Completely different experience. Radio is a magical thing. And I guess I'm just saying I'm happy to be here with you and I'm happy that you're part of it. Thank you so much for hanging out and being part of my radio family. All right, let's do a little bit of news, shall we? The sixth and final Sharknado movie aired last night. Oh, oh man. That's an end of an era. Yeah, Sharknado. And it's an interesting one because it comes at a time when, well, if you're like me, you've noticed that the only thing Hollywood seems to be peddling is sequels and spinoffs. And by stark contrast, well, Sharknado has closed up shop after sixth sixth installment. And I gotta be honest with you, even though the movie sucked, if you are like me, you watch every single one of them and you're sort of gonna be sad that they're not making them anymore. (laughs) Kind of difficult to see it go. On the bright side, though, it is kind of cool that it's over because I got to be honest with you, no one bagged my groceries better than Ian Ziering. Oh, man. Did you by any chance hear that interview that Tara Reid gave? Tara Reid did an interview with an Australian TV show to promote the new Sharknado movie and slurred her way through the whole thing. She was also sort of squinting and fiddling with her earpiece and not making a whole lot of sense. And people think she has fallen off the wagon. What do you suppose? Stealing new guys, honestly, is beyond that. It's, it's my favorite one. It's... <laughs> so ridiculous it's so bad that it's good and it's just i mean we've already like gone out of space i already had a baby instead of a shark i mean yeah. we, we've done everything like so you thought like how can we top this one off and they're like i got it let's time travel yes. and then all of a sudden we're gonna time travel one day we're with george washington the next day we're with dinosaurs i'm with a pterodactyl and i name it tara i mean it's just out of control like the movie is just, it, it, does, it takes every step to the next level. Because we did know it's the, the last one. And it, it really makes sense from the first one. It, it really does a, it, it makes a like, complete circle. And I do really think it's going to be the end. It's an awkward one to be the interviewer on the other side of that. I've, I've had a similar situation happen to me before. I think that she said it had something to do with painkillers and exhaustion because of back problems she's having. So make it that what you will. Al Sharpton was on MSNBC talking about Trump and Omarosa yesterday, and he tried to make an Aretha Franklin reference. Well, you probably heard this at this stage in the game, but see if you can spot the interesting approach to spelling he takes on this one. While we're talking about female canines, you know what they say about payback? It's a real... Well, you, I'm sure you know the word I'm thinking of. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Okay. I before E except for, I don't know, when you're race baiting, not sure. I do know this though, rapper Young Thug was arrested in Hollywood this past weekend, just gone by. He was charged with one count of taking his name way too literally. Happy happy birthday to Robert Plant. Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin fame turned 70 today. I can't wait. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him in September at Cabo Del Mar. That, that's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. And he's now playing Led Zeppelin songs like Led Zeppelin songs on stage. He's not sort of doing the broken down folky versions. And well, if we can't convince him to get back with Led Zeppelin, this is going to be the next best thing. But I'm stoked. Robert Plant turned 70 today. Stairway to Heaven. No longer a song. Destination in the not-too-distant future. Johnny Depp has claimed that his his ex, Amber Heard, once took... Uh, hmm. Johnny Depp claims that his ex, Amber Heard, once relieved herself in their bed. And I'm not talking about the easy-to-clean kind of relief. Am I making sense here? Johnny Depp says that Amber Heard once had a bowel movement in their bed. <laughs> I don't know. Was she doing her impression of what his movies do in theaters? Probably. 
ESPN announced that they won't broadcast the national anthems during Monday Night Football. Oh, thank God. Because, you know, I was starting to worry we'd have to go an entire day without hearing anyone talk about the national anthem's role in professional football. Fantastic. Oh, man, this is an interesting one. Have you ever gotten into an argument with a friend over something silly like a game? You know, you, me, all of us. We've all got that one friend. That one friend that cheats at stuff like Pictionary or card games when they come over. And you let it go, but eventually eventually it just becomes not cool and you have to say something or you have to do something and you wind up getting into a stupid fight over this. What's the, uh, what's the biggest fight you've ever gotten into with a friend over something silly like that? A game. Whatever it is, there are two buddies in Massachusetts who can top it. What game did they fight over? How bad was it? I'll put it to you this way. A body part was lost. A man bit off another guy's thumb during a fight at a golf course in Massachusetts. Yeah, they were fighting over a game of golf and a man bit off another guy's thumb during a fight at a Massachusetts golf course. I believe the dude who lost his thumb now sorely regrets yelling, you want a piece of me? Over and over again. That was cheap. Good news is, though, his doctor said the guy will be fine and high-fouring his golfing buddies in no time. Have yourself an awesome one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.